Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 596. A rising tide uh, raises all ships. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Gary Savage. Gary, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. even got my driving glasses on. (laughs) Right, good. No bugs in our eyes today. That's right. Gary Savage is the director of motorsports and OEM at Braille Batteries in Sarasota, Florida. Braille Battery is the world leader in ultra-lightweight lithium-ion high-performance batteries. They distribute and sell the only AGM carbon fiber race battery, and they're used in every car in IndyCar, DTM, Super GT, and Australian VH supercars, along with many other race cars, including cars that race in IMSA, Tudor, NASCAR, Formula One, and many, many others. Gary's a serious racer who's raced a variety of cars for over 25 years, ranging from his first Datsun 510 at school, an SCCA Solo 2 class where he won championships, to open wheel, historic Trans Am, and a 70 Plymouth AAR Cuda, even cooler, and sports cars and vintage cars. So he is having fun for sure. So Gary, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career, about Braille, and of course, your passion for automobiles. Sure. I mean, it, obviously, it started quite a quite a few years ago. It's hard to believe how many uh, years go by and different cars, you <laughs> yes. know, have, have come and gone. That <laughs> seems to be the case with most car guys. But, you know, really got into cars in high school, not so much in, in building them or anything, but had a couple of uh, neat Datsun and a, and a Chevy pickup back then. And then I uh, got my little Datsun 510, which then got me into local autocrossing. And it just kind of progressed there, wanting to go faster, drive better, start you know upgrading the car, and uh, then went on to hill climbing and and road racing and and things of that nature. And a couple decades down the road, end up connecting uh, with uh, Braille Battery here, which took my sales background and management, and uh, was able to connect it into you know an industry that, that deals with racing. So to right. just be able to supply our batteries to teams, OEMs that I've grown up watching you know for for so many years to now have personal interaction and relations and to, to give them a product that will make their cars better and faster more reliable um, it's pretty gratifying 
Oh, absolutely. It, it defines what we're all about here at Cars. Yeah, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, people who've wrapped their passion into their careers, which is exactly what you've done. So we're going to learn a lot more about you as we move through the questions here, Gary. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So Gary, take the wheel. Well, I guess the uh, the main one that uh, I really think uh, encompasses you know, true success or, or striving to be better is you know a rising tide uh, raises all ships, and <laughs> yes. I've been a big proponent of you know association. You are a product of your environment, and uh, it was always important for me to get around people, whether it was car guys, was racers, um, even just in business, is to get around people that are where I want to be at my level or higher to obviously pull me in that direction to uh, obviously strive to always be better and, and reach new uh, levels. You know, I love this whole concept because we are, I believe we are the culmination of the people we surround ourselves with. And I remember my mom way back when I was young, she said, when you marry somebody, marry someone smarter than you because she'll always keep you sharp and keep you uh, on that edge. And uh, I did that. I think that was a trick that women do and somehow, but... Uh, well, that's, that's that's big for all of us, guys. We always have to marry up. I yeah, mean, I, think, the way it is. I think it's always a smart thing to do for sure. But especially being around people and you're in the racing industry, you're the professional industry, you're around some pretty amazing people and your batteries go in some incredible cars. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really when you think about the company, you know, started over a decade ago and was really formed on just the basis of, you know, why you putting a big heavy battery in anything that wants to go fast mm-hmm. um, just didn't make sense. And so that's where the, the company started with uh, lightweight AGM batteries, you know, which most people just maybe even aren't aware of outside of the racing industry. A lot of people have not heard about us because that's really our core market. Yeah. Ex- explain what that means a little bit to those folks that they may be seen it on their their battery chargers in the garage at AGM they're going well, what's what's that yeah, so AGM, you know, has been around for uh, probably a good 20 years or so, um, and that's a absorbed glass mat. And, and what that was was a departure from what we all remember, at least depending on your age, as the flooded lead acid batteries, you know, the wet acid that you pop the top and you check the water, and oh, they yeah. tend to kind of get battery acid all over and it eats the metal. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's an old technology. So AGM is a sealed, maintenance-free style of lead acid battery, so you're never going to have to have a venting of toxic gas. You don't get acid spilling. But they what they do is that absorbed glass mat is like a cottonous fiber that sits in between the lead plates and holds that acid in suspension. So even if you crack the bottom of the battery, the acid wouldn't come rushing out. It's actually mm. a lot safer. But uh, you know, because of those benefits, it's longer lasting, better performing. And so that was like that next step. And then obviously Braille, about six, seven years ago, um, took that next step and came out with the first commercially available lithium starting battery and uh, started in drag racing primarily with 16-volt products um, and then got into the 12-volt for you know the uh, some of the OEMs that we got in with Corvette Racing and Mazda uh, right. back in the day and and won some of those endurance races and it's gone gone from there. Yeah, the lithium ion is amazing. Uh, one of my sponsors here, Cars Jazz, is Noco. They make a Genius Boost Jump Starter that's lithium ion in this little tiny package. You can put it in your pocket, but it packs a wallop of power. So that whole concept is is really spectacular. You kind of wonder why they're not putting these in all new cars. Is it a cost factor or? It is. I mean, you look at all the OEMs, they're always trying to lighten the vehicles now. I mean, you know, most vehicles have gotten so ridiculously heavy, and, and that obviously affects everything from performance to fuel mileage and, and so on. And uh, it is really, it is not a, a cheap 
product to manufacture or to process, mm-hmm. um, especially when you get into quality stuff. So when you get into small scale units like that jump starter with like a little motorcycle batteries, mm-hmm. just due to their size and what they have to do, you can usually get that done, you know, in the, the $100, $200 range, something like that, you know, right. at a retail price. When you start talking about the energy needed and the demands of a automotive battery, then you start getting into something that's obviously a lot bigger. So the cost kind of exponentially goes up based on, you know, what the, the power needs are. And so right now, we're, you know, we're starting to see that transfer of technology as we're dealing with some OEMs on you know, uh, limited production, high-end performance cars, ah. where weight is very critical. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying, you know, they've got carbon fiber bits or aluminum, things of that nature. And so you, you It'll be a while before you see it in your standard production type of passenger car, but you definitely are starting to see it um, in items like you know, some of the Ferraris have uh, lithium batteries. McLaren has for a few years, but really um, we are working on some OEM stuff, but it has in the aftermarket, whether it's a Porsche guy doing track events, DE events, uh, your, your grassroots racers, um, and now we're seeing that technology trickle into the performance street market of guys that want a lighter, more powerful, more reliable, and much longer lasting battery. And that's kind of really where we've seen that transfer of technology that we've developed over the last uh, six, seven years, you know, in professional motorsports, now getting out to those customers that are looking for something better. And uh, the more electronics that are on some of these new motors, the Chevy LS motors, the Coyote motors, things like that, they really benefit from having that higher, more stable voltage. So not only is it lighter and going to last up to five times longer, uh, it actually starts faster, runs better. So it's it's kind of like switching from pump gas to race fuel for the, the electronics is everything just works better with the lithium technology. Um, and we've developed it with racing to where battery failures are not an option in professional mm-hmm. racing. A battery failure at the wrong time costs way too much. Yeah. And so we have less than a 1% failure rate um, with our lithium batteries, which is pretty much unheard of in any sort of starting battery that's out there. So we're pretty proud of that track record over you know six, seven years of you know, proven reliability and use. Oh, absolutely. You should be. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on the show here to... Uh introduce you to a lot of listeners out there in the technology that they may not be aware of. So very cool, very interesting stuff. Well, would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? You've been racing for a long time and you're not an old guy, so you must have started pretty young. Tell us that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were a car guy. Yeah, you know, it, I didn't start racing till actually I was in uh, college. So mm-hmm. it was not, I didn't grow up in go karts like some of these guys do nowadays. But, uh, um, I think, you know, the first thing is, is growing up in Southern California, that is part of the culture was having, you know, a cool car. At least, you know, that's definitely what I grew up with. Um, started my first one at 16, a little Datsun show truck. So it had nice paint interior and, and, uh, wide wheels and all that good stuff. And, and then ended up getting a, my 67 Chevy a couple years later and kind of got me geared towards that hot rod type of thing. But, you know, I definitely didn't know how to build them or to do anything. I, I just enjoyed driving them. Uh, it wasn't until I moved up to Oregon and, and was uh, going down a side street and saw the, my little Datsun 510. It was, you know, owned by a student there who couldn't afford to pay insurance or drive it. So it was just sitting. <laughs> I asked the guy, if I wanted to sell it, and uh, I think that kind of that that car jumped out at me because my uncle had one when I was a little kid. Oh, okay, uh, and yeah. So riding with him, I think you know it was a nice little two door, had wheels and suspension on it, and so obviously left an impression at an early age. Right. Uh, so when I was able to get that, you know, bought it, started cleaning it up, fixing it, did my first timing chain, you know, which I didn't know anything about doing any of that. You just have to kind of jump in there and right. take stuff apart, and yeah. 
And uh, it got to a point where I fully restored that car from the ground up, built the motor, um, did all the suspension, everything myself to, to where I've done that a couple of times now. And so I think that was really the key. And then that, that obviously got me a cool little car to where, you know, I go out there and started autocrossing and thought I was just, uh, you know, the guy. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, out of 20 guys in my class, it was raining too in Oregon. That's pretty typical. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I thought sliding sideways and putting on a show was, uh, I realized it wasn't the fast way to go through a, an autocross <laughs> No, exactly. And, uh, so when I finished at the back of the pack, I said, well, I mean, I need to figure some stuff out. And uh, obviously went on to get top time of days and do stuff. And that kind of started the whole racing thing. Yeah, very nice. Well, 510s, you know, what comes to mind is my friend in an early car. See, I guess you're Peter Brock with BRE and mm-hmm. the racing he did over in Japan with all the Datsuns and so forth. And those cars are just kind of cool. They're kind of 2002 BMW-esque, if you will, or the Ford Cortina. Great for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, and that's kind of funny. You, you mentioned Peter. Peter's had a, been in our booth at SEMA for the last three years. Nice. Um, we've had his, uh, you know, a couple of his cars in our booth. We're going to um, have his 240Z in our booth this year. So, all right. You know, I met him at Daytona the first time I ran the HSR, the historic thing before mm-hmm. the Rolex 24 back in 98. I was there, you know, to, to run the, the AAR Cuda. And you, you'd mentioned previously the Trans Am car mm-hmm. and, uh, saw him up front and I said, well, that's Peter Brock. You know, him and John Morton are the guys. You know, oh, I've been yeah. a Dotson guy. So, uh, and, and, you know, he's a class act, a true gentleman. Um, you know, we talked, and, and I wanted to talk about Dotson's. Come to find out that the Cuda was his favorite Trans Am car. So he took me in his golf cart, took me around the paddock there, introduced me to the the, uh, the guys that were running the Rolex oh, 24. Oh, my gosh. You know, how fortunate. The, so I was a kid in a candy store. You yeah. Know, I just was, it was just, uh, you know, it was amazing. So, since then, we've kept in touch. He's actually a Braille distributor. He believes in our product and how to save weight. And he, obviously, you know, the guy designs and builds cars. So yes. he, he gets it. He got it right away. And uh, that's why we've had that connection with him. And he's been gracious enough to, to come and, and sign books and things like that at SEMA to have him come out. Because I think, uh, you know, he, he really, he's, he's definitely a low-key guy, doesn't really uh, yeah. ask attention, but I think he's deserved it with what he's done in the industry. Absolutely. And we're more than happy to have him out there and to kind of have those people come up and share stories, whether it's the Cobra Daytona Coupe or, you know, the dots and stuff. I mean, he's done so much. It's just uh, it's just a pleasure to obviously spend any time I can with him. Yeah, he definitely is a legend and a great guy to have on your team for sure. So, Gary, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. Crawl under the hood, get our hands a little dirty. Obviously, something you're not afraid of doing, ripping that first car of yours apart and figuring out how to make it go faster. Would you share with me a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career? But the most important part of this question has to do with how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you so that you can move forward? Well, you know, I, I've been very fortunate that, you know, whether, no matter what I was doing in life, whether it was career wise or car wise is, is, you know, you just got to keep pushing forward and, and with somewhere, you know, things don't always work out the way you plan. You know, obviously I've worked for years to, you know, on sponsorship and thing to go racing, um, you know, full time. And, and that's a very difficult thing, especially in this day and age. So, oh, yeah. you know, I've been fortunate enough though with the people I've been around to, you know, do vintage racing or to do, uh, you know, just local instructing, things of that nature to stay in the car. And, and to do that. So yeah, I've never been one to really get down. Um, obviously, you know, there's always setbacks. There's things that maybe, uh, you know, didn't quite work out in the time frame you want or even at all. But I've always just kept 
pushing forward saying, I, I'll give 100%, I'll do my best. And even if it doesn't work out exactly what I want, at least I can look back and say, you know, it's not for the lack of trying. I did everything I personally could to try to make it happen. You know, things that are out of my control, I don't really worry about. I'm one of those ones that's uh, just kind of, hey, if, if I can't change it, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to get too stressed out or worried about it. Um, I'll just uh, work on what I can control. So I think, you know, with that in mind, um, you know, you've always had companies. I, I've worked for a couple different companies that uh, have changed and, and, you know, have, have they let me go or got rid of staff or things of that nature, which is never part of the plan. But, you know, you get back up and you look, uh, what's the next best thing? And uh, that's probably, you know, that's really what got me to where I moved to Florida with a company I was working with as a consultant in the automotive industry with electronic gaming and streaming games and mm. things of that mm-hmm. nature. So I was handling IndyCar and AutoWeek magazine and, and putting up gaming sites on their websites. It was a really neat company with a, a, a neat technology. Uh, but eventually they said, we're going to just develop this, the technology and um, you know basically get rid of all the sales guys. Oh, um, thanks a there. lot. Now that we've yeah. built up your business. <laughs> yeah, we're going to just sell the, the technology off to some big company. And, and it's like, yeah. great. So here I am and I moved from Oregon to Florida. Um, was not part of the plan whatsoever um, to is. then you know, a year later to say, well, I don't know anybody here. I left 20 years of friends and connections and everything else to go for the next thing. But uh, the plus side is, you know, growing up in Southern California, I like the weather of Florida, uh, the warmth. There's a lot of great racetracks within half a day's drive. So that was definitely a plus versus Oregon. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't complain. But, uh, you know, once I, I got to a point where I was looking around and said, you know, I've got sales and management background. I'm always looking for the next thing where I can get in there and really, uh, you know, take it to the next level, build teams and, and just say, you know, I'm competitive. I want to win. I was at the St. Bean Grand Prix and there was this display there. They had a Lamborghini Aventador all wrapped up with Braille stuff on it. Nice. I didn't know what Braille was. <laughs> so I started doing some looking and I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to go out there and do anything with, with sales or management or anything else, it would be kind of cool to really do something that really tied into cars and racing and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came in, dropped off a resume, hounded down the, you know, tracked him down the owner, followed up and really had to push for weeks. And they weren't even looking to hire anybody at that time. But because of my background, luckily, you know, he was like, well, you kind of, you know, with your connections and what you've done, uh, you're a car guy. You're not just a battery sales guy. Right. You know, there's a big difference there. Oh, yeah. He did hire me. And now, you know, a, a number of years later, I'm pretty much uh, running the show here, um, you know, as far as the motorsports and the OEM stuff, which yeah. is just great for me, you know, dealing with uh, all these factory teams, IndyCar and, and BMW and things like that. So, you know, it's uh, things always work out. But you just got to keep your head down, stay focused, stay positive. So the takeaway I get from this story is you can still stay within your passion. You, as you said, you've got to keep your eyes open, your head up like you're on the racetrack looking down the track all the time instead of just right in front of you because things change quite radically. And from there, uh, look for opportunities everywhere. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's always going to be that next corner and you maybe don't know exactly uh, what's around that corner. But, uh, you know, I've always been open minded and and have gotten to where I'm at just by saying, okay, what is the next opportunity? I'm not just going to sit and keep doing what I'm doing, um, you know, and and, and just stay stagnant, just like building a car. You know, you always think you're going to be done, but we always know that uh, (laughs) it's never done. It never happens. (laughs) Especially a race car. Well, let's shift gears, talk about racing. And go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment, a time when those headlights come on or you discover what's around that corner and makes way for a new idea, new direction that you had. Tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. 
Well, I, I mean, it kind of ties into what we were just talking about. I kind of segued uh, into that one with, uh, you know, the point where, you know, I'd always thought of, you know, I had my passion for cars and racing, and that was what you did during the week. You know, like a lot of guys do is they're they're not uh, always that fortunate to do something that kind of ties into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was at that point where I went shifted from the sales uh, and management type of thing in just whatever industry, whatever was the best opportunity, what paid the most, whatever, you know, just worked out the best. Two, making that shift to going, man, you know, what are the odds for one that Braille's in Sarasota, Florida, where I live? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Luckiest thing. And so I'm like, man, it's like, it would be so cool to be able to do something that is totally involved with or tied around racing, street cars, performance, you know, the things that I enjoy. And, you know, there's always that flip side of where uh, in some industries, I've got car buddies, um, car guys that, uh, you know, do the same thing. But unfortunately, you know, they're a car guy and they become a car, an automotive painter mm-hmm. or a body guy and originally probably wanted to do their own stuff. But the problem is once they do it for a living, uh, the last thing they want to do is work on their own stuff when they're doing it 24, uh, you know, uh, right. 40 hours. Yeah. And so fortunately with what I do, it is not something that really takes takes away from, you know, my passion to continue to work on my own cars and build them in the racing. It's very complimentary. The only downside is when you go to the track for all these different races and you're not in a car, it's extremely frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I've been to many trade shows representing companies and you sit there and you, I just want to look around at all the cool stuff or uh, on the racetrack. Yeah, I want to get in a car and go around the track. So that's true. But I think that that luck is really preparation uh, tying together with seeing the opportunity down the road. That's where it really all came together for you. So fantastic. I love it. Well, let's talk about Prodigy's career moments. I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular that stands out for you you'd like to share with us? Well, you know, I think uh, as far as in, in Braille, as far as the career goes, I mean, you know, the, this, uh, the job here uh, in my position has been very gratifying is that, you know, we're a very small company and we're, we make everything here in our facility in, in Sarasota. So, you know, when with what we're doing that is competing against huge battery, billion dollar battery companies, mm-hmm. and we're a small facility with a dozen employees, but yet wow. we were able to develop and come out with a product and where now, uh, you know, through the different connections and a lot of work, over the last couple of years to be able to, you know, supply uh, these OEMs to be the spec battery in IndyCar um, and, and to do that kind of thing in it with, you know, that really no one else is doing to, mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, you think about supplying a BMW or a Mercedes, um, the new GT3 cars, the AMG GT3s are, are running our, our product. So nice. to be able to have our little shop in Florida shipping off batteries for these very high-end, high-tech quality machines, you know, it's nice that we believe enough in our product and the brand that it uh, it fits very well with a lot of these modern race machines that are, that are so high-quality, high-tech, uh, finely tuned, uh, that the last thing they need for one, I don't, you know, just to put a lead battery in a, in a high tech carbon fiber car doesn't really make sense <laughs> it to me. It doesn't sound um, right, does it's it? It's a little off. Um, yeah. And then ultimately, like, kind of like I said earlier, is that, um, you know, when the brand, they've put so much into the brand that, you know, the uh, customer car, a factory car, it doesn't really matter, is, you know, being taken out of a race because of a battery failure is not acceptable, I no. don't think. No. And when we have technology like we've got today, it, you know, it is more expensive, but the flip side is, you know, it's cheap insurance. Uh, that you know a battery taking you out at Le Mans 
you know, just cost you a million dollars plus. So yeah. to be able to power Corvette to a couple of Le Mans wins and uh, the new Ford GT race cars running our products. So uh, to be in cars like that um, to supply those teams uh, is quite gratifying. So that, that's probably, I could say, we can take pride in what we do. And, and obviously it took a lot of work in on the, also the product side, right. but also build, building relationships because you know you can have a product, but you know no matter what you're doing, it's, it's still a people business. It's about relationships, um, you know. And, and I'm not out there just trying to sell them a product. Um, we're here to try to bring value and to help uh, their brand, you know, whether it's Mercedes or any of these. Uh, make sure that they look good because you know it wouldn't look good for them to to have their car go out because of a battery going out either. So absolutely, especially these days where cars are made, all the the parts come in from a lot of different suppliers, OEMs suppliers and come together but most people buying cars think oh these marks made everything that's in this car not true <laughs> not true at all just go to SEMA and walk the halls and you hey i know where that switch came from so uh Absolutely. well definitely worth being proud about but let's have a little bit of fun you talked about that 510 but i'd love for you to share your first really special car and maybe a memory you have of that vehicle Yep. I mean, uh, you know, obviously I think the 510, I had that for 10 years. Um, and, and like I said, getting it to where I didn't know anything to where, you know, everything from getting it as a painted shell, putting it all back together, building my own motor, um, and doing all that over a 10 year span is, is definitely left the biggest impression, uh, on me and, and auto crossing and learning how to, you know, to do setting hill climb records. This was my, my street car, but yet was able to go out and auto cross and set those hill climb records in my, in my daily driver. So, nice. um, you know, it was a dual purpose and of course when you're younger we don't care if it's a little loud and yeah. we don't care if it rides a little rough you know it is what it is you just want to go fast and have a cool car so <laughs> and you pick so, up that young lady for a date she goes why is there no carpeting in here <laughs> yeah no, I, I did ask my wife i said so if i had met you and and not driving my bmw uh, i was driving my little Datsun 510 <laughs> would you have gone out with me and she goes no because i would have thought you're not very ambitious <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> so, ouch Thanks, I kind of, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it was a very cool car, you know, and it still is. And now they're going up in value like crazy. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. That- that one definitely has, and, and I'm building a new car now, a, a 280Z. It's got a Chevy LS6, you know, Oh, Z06, my gosh, yeah. And it's got all the brakes, and I've done everything. Same thing, bare shell, and nobody's touched that car than the guy that did the alignment and the guy that welded the exhaust in. Wow. So, uh, gratifying. To, uh, <laughs> very nice. And it's the last time I'm doing it all by myself. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work, that's for sure. Well, how about Seller's Remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back? Yeah, I would say it definitely would have to be um, my second car, which was that 67 Chevy short wide pickup. Hmm. Uh, it was a custom cab, factory air, it had the big back window, so a very rare in the 67 range. And, and short wides, of course, were cool, and it was lowered and had a built 350 in it. Um, and, of course, the value of those has gone just uh, through the roof. So, yeah, uh, that's, like so many cars have. Yeah, yeah, all those older you know Chevys and you know, any of the hot rod type things from back then, especially those trucks, too. So right. that's something that you know it just at the time i was young um when i moved to oregon you know, the gas mileage was awful so uh you know getting eight ten miles a gallon just uh, didn't work too right. well wasn't making a lot so i do regret uh, selling that and that's definitely one that uh, i wish i had back yeah we all have those in our lives well let's talk about today moving forward you mentioned being at siemens coming up in a few months here but from what you can tell us of what's coming up at braille what you guys are developing what can you share with us so we can get a little excited with some anticipation well, I mean, really the fun thing about, uh, with, uh, Braille and the, and what we're working on is, um, like I said, you know, we, we've done very well focusing on the high end 
performance, uh, you know, mostly track and race cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's all fine and dandy, but it's a very niche, high-end um, type of uh, category for sure. Right. So the, what we've uh, really expanded on and what we're excited about is to bring out products, and we have, you know, over the last year or two, um, ones that are geared towards those, the performance street markets, the import tuner market, you know, pretty much any of you guys that uh, depends, you know, anything from a small four cylinder to a hot rodder that is looking for a smaller, lighter, better battery. And now we've got, um, we've done very well with our AGM products for, you know, over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, smaller lead batteries, but uh, to now be able to bring that race-grade quality lithium technology to that market, I would consider more cost affordably. It's still not cheap, uh, but when you compare it to the cost of, you know, buying a premium lead battery, you know, it may be somewhere two to three times as much, but if it lasts five times longer, is lighter and gives you better performance, now it's something that's either a cost-neutral or cost-savings proposition. Mm -hmm. Uh, The biggest thing for us is being that we're not a huge company with a huge marketing budget. You know, we've done it strictly to build to a global brand and supply these guys. We've done it all through pretty much reputation of product and word of mouth. And it's been team engineers, you know, the racers that that heard about our products. And now we're trying to kind of segue into that, um, you know, the performance street, the import market, things like that, of the guys that are doing track days, that are, uh, you know, doing the drag strip, you know, street and strip type of things. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, customers will call up and say, I've got a hot rod, you know, I got a little, uh, you know, it could be a, a 32 Ford or, you know, Model A or something. And it's like, well, I've, I put a V8 in there and I really don't have much room for a battery. Right. What, what do you have that is small enough that I could stick under the seat or hide somewhere that will still start my car and do it reliably? And, and so to have, we're, we're very solutional oriented. Someone can call up and say, this is the vehicle I've got. Here's the engine. This is what I do with it. Here's how I maintain it. What's the best fit? And because we're very focused on that, we can actually almost custom cater say this is going to be the best battery for your vehicle as opposed to here's your big 40 pound chunk of lead <laughs> yeah it doesn't really work for you or you go to a smaller kind of a, a cheaper walmart battery or something mm. you know something like that you know it may work for a while but it, eventually it's it's you get what you pay for with batteries so oh, yeah for us it's been nice that we we're all about quality performance reliability and so we're really one of the few what we consider an oem professional race grade lithium battery because there are a lot of the consumer grade products out there which typically come from china i would say or overseas and it's same thing you you get what you pay for it may work in some situations but you know the battery nowadays is not the place you want to be cheap no not only because the car doesn't run but like i said before is with more electronics the more fine-tuned a lot of these motors are you know some of these four cylinders and even you know these v6 turbos i mean silly amounts of power that uh, is very critical and most people don't think about a battery until it doesn't work of course not yeah click click (laughs) like oh no now it's like oh great and so it's very important for us that we help deal with the customer get them a a product that works and then we're very dependent on that customer whether they are on forums they're on uh, facebook things like that that they spread the word you know putting stickers on their track day car or their their race cars and things like that and people see it and that's how we continue to kind of push into new markets uh with having very limited resources being a small company understood great that it's made in america as well well we'll look forward to seeing you in SEMA in a few months. That would be great. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Gary. If you were a car, what kind of car would Gary be and why? <laughs> well, you know, I gave that one some thought and boy, that one's tough. Well, uh, good, good. Our guy, uh, you know, after some serious thought and, and 
I think it has to do with a little bit of, of my association. Um, and we brought up Peter earlier. I would have to say a Cobra Daytona Coupe. Oh, nice. You know, being that uh, it, it's very functional, it obviously does very well. Uh, for a lot of people, maybe, um, you know, not their cup of tea. Maybe they don't get it. <laughs> but, you know, where it counts, that car definitely got it uh, got it going on. And yeah. you know, what was underneath and what it was capable of, you know, and, and the, the history there. So, you know, I guess if I was anything, I may be a little unassuming at times, but, uh, you know, as far as my background and what, what I'm capable of, uh, obviously, uh, I got quite a bit underneath. Uh, yeah. Going. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you are enthusiastic, too. And, you know, I tell you, it's fun. I got to spend a weekend with Peter and his wife, Gail, my wife and I at their home in uh, just south of Las Vegas. And he said, we got up Saturday morning. He goes, hey, you want to go to local cars and coffee? And I go, yeah. So he gets in a Daytona coupe. She gets in one. My wife crawls in with her. I crawl in with Peter. And I tell you, going to cars and coffee in a Daytona coupe with Peter Brock, you arrive like a king. I mean, oh. it's just absolutely spectacular. I couldn't believe it. Kept pinching myself. Am I really here? This is so cool. So, uh, great choice. I think you're one of the first, I think you're the first Daytona Coupe here on Cars. Yeah, that's pretty cool considering you're the 596th guest here. So very well done. Well, Gary, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners. I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle? both the exterior and the interior. It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPC. 
Okay, Gary, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? You know, I just have to say that uh, don't be intimidated, that you learn by doing. So, uh, you know, don't be afraid to try. There's obviously, uh, <laughs> you know, whether you're building a car or anything else, uh, you, you just got to go out and learn it. And, and I've done that from, I'm, I'm more mechanically oriented, so I've never had problems bolting things on. But uh, when it comes to electrical, that was never my cup of tea. Mm. And uh, building my, my Z car with all the LS stuff and converting it and going through all the wiring, I am learning. Yeah. And uh, it, it's actually gratifying now to say if there, anything does go wrong, at least I know how to handle that. And so I, I took something that I really didn't want to ever touch, and uh, I'm getting it figured out. Absolutely spectacular. Now, would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success? Yeah, I think the the main thing for me is, and we touched on a little bit, is that, you know, personal growth through books and association, mm -hmm. you know, is reading to constantly try to become a better person, to identify weaknesses, um, and, and not be afraid to to spend time to try to become, you know, a better person, learn skills, and, and by doing that, obviously, you elevate yourself, who you get to associate with, and obviously, where you end up going in your career, or, or where your car is, or anything else. Now, do you have a resource that you think the Car Show listeners would really enjoy? You know, I tried to think of something uh, unique that uh, probably not a lot of people have heard of. There is a great website called MotoIQ.com, mm -hmm. and uh, it is very much based on a very high-end technical write-ups and not a lot of uh, uh, noise, if you know what I mean, a lot of ah. signal on there. So, and that's their their thing. And so, I you know, I, I focus primarily on racing-oriented type thing just to get the news and to stay apprised of things. But when it comes to actually building things and new technologies and stuff, that's a great resource. Awesome, great for sharing that. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think the car show listeners should read as well well i think you can't go wrong as a car guy my buddy uh and local uh car guy brian johnson uh lead singer of acdc has a book called rockers and rollers and uh <laughs> it is definitely one of the most entertaining things and uh, if you ever seen him you know he's got a show on velocity right now yeah that he is he is like that all the time we've gone out and we've raced to go been out at the track and and uh grabbed dinner whatever and and he is just a, a a lot of fun and and i think you know by reading that one being a car guy as well a lot of great stories and and his personality really comes out on that so uh that, that's a must read a very enjoyable one for uh, for any car guy oh, well fantastic yeah he is a wild guy and definitely a car crazy guy for sure that's really cool well listeners you can find links to all these great resources gary shared on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash gary savage there's also a great place on the cars yeah website called guest recommended books where this book and the past 595 guest books are listed for quick easy clicks to buy all right we are up to the checkered flag gary and this last question can be a real doozy if you could have only one collector car in your garage but don't worry about the price because i'll buy you anything you'd like today what would that one vehicle be and why well i would have to say one that i have personal experience with there's one of only two of them in existence and that would be the 70 plymouth ar cuda factory trans am car that obviously gurney um built at ar and uh, i got to drive that car at different events even at goodwood um the festival of speed wow. and um you know to just spend time sharing the history of that car and to get to do that sort of thing but uh, you know to have that sitting in the garage um boy that that would be something else right there so. <laughs> that is gonna cost me a pretty penny i have a feeling <laughs> oh my gosh wow you picked a really unique car first time anyone has chosen that car which is always exciting for me Instead of maybe the traditional Ferrari GTO or something, you know, as if a GTO could be normal. But uh, 
Yeah, very, even more rare than a Ferrari GTO. Definitely that 70 Plymouth AR Cuda. So very cool, awesome choice. Gary, you've taken me on a great ride today. I knew you would being a racer and a driver. We'd have some fun going around the track here today at Cars. Yeah, I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off down the track in that 1970 Plymouth AR Cuda? Sure. I mean, uh, you know, no matter what you're doing or what size the business, what size the goal, you know, the endeavor, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, business oriented to cars is just give it your best, always strive to do the best, you know, and, and, and give a hundred percent and, uh, things will obviously work out. Yes, absolutely. Now, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Braille batteries? Well, uh, obviously, um, you know, our BrailleBattery.com is our, our company page. It has all of our products. But probably the best ones are the two um, pages that I personally have. I have my own Facebook page. And then also I handled the Braille Battery Facebook page. So it's nice, nice there as people can take a look through the albums and see what different streetcars, hot rods, uh, race cars, different series, uh, what batteries they do run of ours and, and which one is in each vehicle. And, um, you know, definitely we like to have people that run our product share and give us updates to where we can promote the people that are running our products as well uh, because it is definitely something I think that is unique and uh, we definitely take pride in that just as like the uh, the car enthusiasts and racers take pride in what they're doing. As you should. Well, listeners, again, you'll find links to those pages on Gary Shono's page at CarsYeah.com. Just type Gary in the search bar and that page will pop right up. Hey, Gary, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. I've had great fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!